0: Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of the Fall Season 2018 of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest on the show today is Dylan Kivo. Dylan is the founder and CEO of the Kivo Media Group. He's also the editor-in-chief of Kivo Daily. Dylan is a contributor to Forbes, Inc., Entrepreneur, Huffington Post, and a lot of other top-tier publications. As a top leader, he contributes articles ranging from personal development to entrepreneurship to help people improve their skills as they are venturing into entrepreneurship. He helps organizations, especially millionaires and large corporations, bridge the gap between sharing their stories across from wherever they're creating, it. so basically in the company, to major publications so that they can reach the masses and have mass appeal. He's also a member of YEC, which is the Young Entrepreneurs Council, which is America's most elite entrepreneur organization, and he's an all-around awesome guy. He's also going to be launching a course on how to get featured into major publications. So now, if you're interested in actually getting featured on the big four of business publications, I'm talking about Forbes. Inc., Entrepreneur, and um, Fast Company. This is the one guy you're probably going to want to sit down and take a lot of notes because he has a lot of wisdom to share in his experience turning people into thought leaders and placing them on these um, varied platforms. So I'm pleased to have Dylan on the show today to share a little bit more about his story. So Dylan, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. So Dylan, I alluded that I looked at your LinkedIn profile and um, as we were talking at the pre-chat and there wasn't a lot in terms of your background or your origin story so before we talk about what you're doing right now tell us a little bit more about your origin story you know where where did Dylan come out from were you like training for seven years in the woods yeah it's yeah it's kind of funny so I grew up in Southern
1: California I've always been a hockey player my whole entire life so you know, a lot of people say, you know, business and athletes do a lot of a lot of good things together because mm-hmm. they take their, you know, hard work and you know work ethic, you know, basically in into, into the business office. So that's mm-hmm. exactly kind of the, you know where I come from. Um, I grew up grew up in California playing hockey my whole life until I was about eighteen and I got asked to go play in, in Virginia. I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. You know, I'm finally going to get a shot. You know, I've always wanted to go to the NHL. This is going to be a perfect opportunity. Long story short, um, played in Virginia for about two to three years, and then I got a really, really bad injury. Mm. So I had to say, oh, my gosh, you know, what's next? And so, you know, as a kid, it's been always, you know, my dream to just continue to help people. And so I was like, you know what, firefighting is the perfect opportunity. I can help people. I can serve the community. And, you know, obviously, you know, it, it does pay the bills. But after doing that for a couple of years, I decided, you know, well maybe there's there's some bigger, you know, bigger. I don't want to say better thing, better things I can do because obviously helping the community is the best thing you possibly do. Mm. I was like, you know what, you know, we only work nine, ten days a month. You know, what else can I do? How else can I, you know, help? You know, bring some money to the family and just kind of help help out around the house and stuff. So I started, you know, searching and you know my father-in-law Chris actually showed me about you know web development and everything, digital marketing in general. Mm. And as as soon as I discovered you know, online marketing and, and PR, I completely fell in love with it. I landed my first client actually through my father-in-law mm-hmm. and this, guy, I, I mean, he's literally his business. I don't really need to say the name, but he's, he's a multi multimillionaire. Mm-hmm. Just he's the last several years, he's been mentoring me. So he kind of took me under his wing and, you know, I started doing PR for him personally because I, he's, he's a major thought leader in the MLM industry. And, mm-hmm. you know, my soul, uh, my sole goal was to get him basically to, to be like as big as your like Neil Patel, and your your Gary V, Tony Robbins, and so basically I helped take him from where he was at to over you know several millions of followers on social media. I got him to be a contributor to Huffington Post and started blogging on there. And then I noticed, holy crap, he's getting a lot of messages from people saying, hey, you know, how how can I get featured on Huffington Post? You know, where else do you write? What can you do? Mm-hmm. It's Like. Geez, I never knew there's actually an opportunity to make money writing on these big these big publications.
0: Yeah.
1: The interesting thing is when you write for these big publications, it's literally in your contract you are not allowed to accept payment for any of the articles that you post. Yeah. So, say you you know, a client comes to me and says, "Hey, Dylan, I see that you write for Forbes, Inc. an Entrepreneur. You know, how how do I get on your feed?" Well, it it just doesn't work that way. So what I do is I have a lot of great relationships with editors, contributors, and a lot of staff members. At all these big publications, so whenever I have a client, basically my job is to find the perfect fit mm-hmm. for you know the perfect contributor who writes, let's just say, to cryptocurrency um, guru, right? Well, then mm-hmm. I I can kind of go through my my big Rolodex of, of you know connections that I have and see, okay, this person would align you know directly with this guy's. Um, you know, Forbes feed, let me contact him and see if he wants to write about my client. And it's just basically, you know, matching the two up. And so, you know, the contributors are happy because they get great content and great, uh, great influencers. And obviously my, my, my client's happy because, hey, he's now he's mentioned in Forbes. He mm-hmm. can put, you know, as seen in Forbes or even, you know, I get people in entrepreneur on a weekly basis, you know, like, you know, top 10 entrepreneurs to watch out for. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I know this is kind of a long, you know, drawn out explanation from how I got to where I am now. But long story short, is I got I figured out very, very quickly that there's a lot of money in PR if you do it right, if you have the right, if you have the right connections. So I just I decided to put all my effort towards that, and you know, I currently I, I kind of resigned from the fire department a while back because I figured out, you know, really my true, my whole journey of helping people wasn't necessarily you know, in the public doing works and helping out with burning buildings, it was more so helping them um, financially and helping them become a contributor and helping them become a thought leader in the industries that they're in.
0: Mm. Okay, awesome, awesome. When you're trying to write for some of these big publications, a lot of the times when people apply, they get rejected and it's either because, you know, their writing is not kind of like the way the publication wants it in terms of the tone and style. So what were some of the things you did to... Improve yourself before you were ready to say, "Hey, you know what? Let me pitch to you guys. I'm trying to be a contributor." Yeah,
1: no, definitely. That, that's a great question. I get that asked, you know, often. So first and foremost, growing up, I was an absolutely awful writer. I'll be yeah. honest; I was terrible at writing. So the first thing I had to do is, you know, correct all the grammar issues that I had, and you know, just the sim- simple, you know, English style that I was writing. It was, it was, the structure was terrible. So I literally went back to college. I took an English course. I kind of just, you know, so now I'm, I guess I'd say like a well-rounded writer. But so I wanted to get just back, you know, the fundamentals of writing. Mm. So basically, you know, after taking that course, I figured, okay, great. So now I have a foundation. How can I apply it to Forbes Inc. and entrepreneur? So what I did was for about a month, I literally studied Forbes Inc. entrepreneur and several other outlets. But most importantly, I picked one niche. So my niche that I write on across the board is always. Thought leadership, entrepreneurship, and marketing. So what mm-hmm. I did is I basically, after you know, scouring the internet, going you know, looking at just hundreds and hundreds of articles, figuring out you know, okay, Forbes, what style are they looking for? Entrepreneur and Inc. And I, you really have to separate every publication because they really are entirely different. Mm-hmm. You just because you write for Forbes does not mean that Inc. is going to take you with you know, with arms open wide. Yeah. You, your article in, in the uh, flow and format has to really be structured in the way that the editors of Inc. are going to accept it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. really, I guess my biggest advice is just going through all of Inc.'s uh, articles in your specific niche. Don't get outside of it because you really want to stay you know, in your swim lane. And then just focus the structure. See what type of topics they're talking about. And yeah, I mean – If people have any questions, you know, if you know the best topics to write, you know, to write about, they can always reach out to me. I'm Mm -hmm. I'm glad to have your audience. Um, But it's really finding uh, top trends are really good to follow. Mm -hmm. So you know, for example, if you see something that comes out on Forbes, you know, basically breaking news, but you have not seen it come out on Inc or Entrepreneur or big major publication, that's kind of like a, a trigger. Hey, maybe this is a, a topic that you know so and so would also, you know, like to accept or you know, they would like me to write about this or whatever. But at the end of the day, you know, connections are huge too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, obviously everybody knows about LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn and Twitter are probably the two major social media platforms to really utilize when you're when you're talking about anything that has to do with you know PR or publications or anything media related. Mm-hmm because that's where that's where they hang out you want to go where these these editors hang out if you can build you know and you know basically forge really strong relationships and it has to be a two-way relationship you can't just contact an editor and say hey you know i have this article that i want to put on forge can you please place it there for me it doesn't work that way yeah. that's that's the absolute last thing that an editor wants to hear and honestly even contributors too because you know i get i get pitched I mean, i'm kidding you man at least you know 10 to 15 articles every single day Mm -hmm. and the the first thing that people the the first thing that people want is for me to give them value Mm -hmm. I don't know I feel like it's it's the same thing with any relationship you have to give value before you ask for value especially when you're talking to an editor at Forbes the last thing you want to do is basically say hey you know give me give me give me before you say, you know, hey, let me let me give you some value first, and let's build a relationship. And mm-hmm. hey, if you can help me become a, a you know a contributor or get me featured on Forbes, that's a plus. Yeah. But having as many you know connections with editors and contributors as possible is really how you win in this game. It's all about connections. There's no way around it.
0: You're a new kid on the block. Oh well, you were a new kid on the block, and I'm sure there were a lot of people in the industry or in the space doing the same thing. How were you able to carve a niche for yourself and say? I'm Dylan Kivo. This is what I do. I do this better than anybody else, and this is why I think you and I can work together to achieve your goals. That's a really good question. So, I'll be honest. A lot of
1: PR firms. Um, I don't like a lot of the the traditional PR firm. I'm not a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of coming in here to to, to disrupt the whole entire PR industry because I I honestly – I know it needs to be done to get people placed in Forbes, Inc. Entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I get clients and billboards in Times Square New York City on on a daily basis. It's Like I said earlier, it's all about connections. I have all the connections that anybody needs to get placed in the biggest publications for the right price. A lot of these PR firms, what they do – and I'll tell you exactly what they do. They say, okay, so – you know, let's you know, let's basically dissect the the influencer or, or a company brand and let's see how much we should charge them. Mm-hmm. They do two things. They analyze the client to see how much money they can get out of them. Mm-hmm. After that, they basically send them a proposal saying, We're gonna do our best to get you into, you know, major publications, major podcasts, just like your you know, your own. But the at the end of the day, half the time they don't deliver anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you pay on a monthly retainer, sometimes they'll lock you in six months to twelve months. Yeah. And, and you're locked in, and then at the end of the day, you're stuck with no press. Mm-hmm. The difference mm-hmm. is when you work with somebody like me is I get I get the job done. So I'm here to make you know make moves. If somebody says, "Hey, I want to get on Entrepreneur," I'll, I'll guarantee that they will get on Entrepreneur some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So, and also too, like in the beginning, when I was not a contributor to Forbes Inc. an Entrepreneur, nobody believed that I was able to get them on Entrepreneur or mm-hmm. Inc. Publication because and, and you know I that's kind of like my own fault. How can I tell people, hey, I can get you here, 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 if I'm not there myself?
0: True, it's like I, a, it's like a fitness trainer that is not fit. That's exactly
1: that's a good point, man. So it's like <laughs> that's funny, yeah. So it's like when I you know when I'm talking to a client, you know, if he's worth over 100 million dollars and he's like, well, you know, tell me why you're different. Just like the question you just asked, why why should mm-hmm. I hire you over the tra- traditional PR firm here in LA or New York City? Mm-hmm. It's a very simple answer. Because I can get you press. A lot of these companies, they, they really just talk. It's all it's all talk and games, and they, they don't end up you know landing you a spot anywhere. So, yeah, I mean that's the difference. Is hey, I write for these big publications. It's as simple as I know what they're looking for. I'm the editor chief of my own publication, and it may say easy, it may you know sound easy because it's like of course anybody can start their own publication. Yeah, that might sound true, but not anybody can start their own publication and within three months have you know, over a million views and over a thousand contributors that write for them. True. That's and not only that, the quality of writers that even at, you know, Kivo daily, I have writers that write for Forbes, Inc and entrepreneur and all the other major publications. So I'm not just hiring people off Fiverr and paying them to come write for me. True. I have quality writers. So it kind of just comes down to, I have my connections go far and wide in the industry
0: of PR. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And as you just, um, Alluded to now, your publication grew so fast in three months. You have mm-hmm. over a thousand writers. So talk a little bit more about that because I'm looking at the website now. First of all, it is elegantly put together and well done. It loads quickly. It, it it's something where you want to actually stay and spend time. <laughs> <with>. So <laughs> so talk I a little. You. So, talk a little bit more about you know how you built this publication from scratch. How you got well, you already have a lot of connections, but how you were able to make it so attractive that people want to write for your outlet in addition to all the other big places they write for.
1: Of course. So, basically, this the reason the, the way that Kibo Daily started is initially, like I said earlier. So, I was a contributor for Huffington Post. Mm-hmm. Yes, my you know obviously I had my clients. Um, account but I also had my own mm. and so I, I remember this day so in January of this year you know everybody everybody got an email that was a USA contributor saying you know unfortunately you know thanks for you know contributions but you know we're shutting it down yeah. for probably indefinitely that's what we all thought and they had over don't quote me on this but you know maybe like 50 to 100,000 contributors that wrote for me to post and it was an amazing platform and I mean it, it really it still is but mm-hmm. you know it just got me thinking So many people lost a lot of a lot of like the ability to get their voice out there to the public and in the business community. And you know, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I mean, ever since I was seriously like you know in in grade school, selling candy at school and Mm. starting a t-shirt company and doing all that's a whole other story. But so long story short, when Huffington Post went down, basically my eyes kind of just wide open and figured out you know what. I don't wanna put my my you know writing and you know opportunities to get my voice out there in the entrepreneur and business world. What I'm gonna to have to do is start my own publication. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna to have to grow it to be just as big as your 14th entrepreneur so people actually take it serious. Mm-hmm. So that's it's basically and also going through the process, you know, of an entrepreneur, it's not easy. You everybody knows that's a true entrepreneur, not not somebody that you know calls himself an entrepreneur or CEO and you know has no employees and Basically, I never had that one-stop shop for entrepreneur advice that I could truly learn from. And you know, hey, if I want to learn about you know my niche, mm-hmm. just basically like I said earlier, marketing and you know, um, and PR and stuff. I never had that one that one platform that I could go to and learn everything and start from the ground up. You know, mm-hmm. go from hero. And so yeah, I just basically said, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to run with it. And within three months, we had you know like a million views and that hundreds and hundreds of contributors and. You know, it's, it's the support that I've got from it, it's been ridiculous because it's not like it's, you know, clearly it's not making a million dollars a year. That's not what supports me. Mm. I That's kind of when I go back to like, you know, how can I help out the community? Kivo Daily is, is, a, is a really good way because I'm able to help out not your, your seasoned entrepreneurs, you know, veteran entrepreneurs that have, you know, that are multimillionaires that have been doing, you know, been in this game for, you know, 20 plus years. I'm able to help out that, you know, sixteen to twenty year old who's struggling and not knowing what to do with their life, but all they know is that they hate school and they want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. So that's kind of like Kilo Daily is kind of it kind of grew from that. And you know, obviously it's nice because I'm able to, you know, share this platform with so many people and invite people to do interviews and stuff like that. So it's really cool, man. I mean, it's, it's a lot different than anything I'd ever expect. And yeah. it's, to be honest, I'm, I'm a little surprised that it actually is doing this well, you know, yeah. for so long because it's like, it's, dude, running a publication is a, it's a lot of freaking work.
0: Yeah. Well, I know. So. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I know one or two people that started and even just to get the writers together, get the graphics, get all the back end working, photos, making sure it loads on time. It is, it is a big hassle so doing this in in addition to doing your full-time job i can i can imagine how much strain and pressure it put on you and especially as it's growing too because now you get people requesting to come on board you have to kind of vet what they're putting on there so you make sure that the voice and the tone stays the same yeah right Yeah. yeah man it's,
1: it's cool though. It's, it's, it's been like, it's been a really good experience though, because I see, you know, at the end of the day, it really helps out everything that I do encompasses, you know, press because, mm-hmm. you know, running a publication. Well now, you know, I feel as if I can relate to the editors at these big publications. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people are pitching to them, it's like, you know, what do they want to hear? Mm-hmm. Cause I, you know, for Kibo Daily, we get pitched, you know, I don't know, maybe 20 to maybe 25 to 50 articles every single day that people want to come write for Cuba daily. And, you okay. know, they're, they're excited about the new publication, which is, it's actually awesome. And I, I, and I, my worst, the worst thing I hate to do is turn people away and, yes. you, know, to, you know, to be a contributor because I know how that feels to get denied. I mean, I've been denied, I mean more times than, than many people, but it's mm-hmm. the persistence and the, it's it, the key of getting accepted is just to continue to try, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? To turn new angles and, do whatever you can if you have to shoot. Pitch to a different editor, but I mean, yeah, I, I, keyboard daily has been has been awesome because it's really helped me get in, get inside the shoes of the editors at the major publications. So, yeah.
0: so, mm-hmm. so you just mentioned now that the key to getting into some of these places and into your publication is to keep trying and being persistent. So, oh, yeah. when does being persistent become being an annoyance? Because, you know, it's one thing to be, okay, you try, you get rejected, or you don't get a response, but then you keep trying to the point where the editor is just like, don't email me ever again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would say, just to kind of play it safe, I I kind of give, like, all of my students, I give them kind of like the 30-day rule. So if Mm. you pitch and get denied, don't worry about it, wait 30 days. Mm. But also, I give them, I say, don't pitch to the same editor anytime over 3 times because sometimes you can't forget these editors are human so if they know that you just pitched them 3 times and they absolutely did not like you know not not even kind of like the single one of them mm-hmm. don't, don't continue to waste your you know your hard earned and you know effort writing these articles to the same editor that may have formed a negative opinion about you just because of the three negative experiences he's had in the past with you mm-hmm. You might want to kind of hop on LinkedIn, you know, whatever, editor editors at Forbes, editors at, you know, Inc.com and try to find like, you know, new connections or even talk to contributors and see who their editors are. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, man, these editors, they want good content. Okay. So if I were to share an email of, especially a publicly known editor at any of these big publications... One, they can't be upset, and two, they should be happy because if if I'm if I'm trying to help them, you know, expand their you know expand Forbes.com by getting them quality writers, mm-hmm. it's, it's all fair game. So a lot of times you can contact contributors and say, hey, you know, you know, would you mind, you know, sharing the email, the public only if it's a public email of your editor, I would love to you know pitch a few ideas to them and see how that goes. But a lot of them usually say yes to that. That's it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you like. A lot of the the pitch. Dude, if your pitch isn't perfect, mm. you're gonna be denied. You know, ten out of ten times. Yeah. you really want to have in, in that new in the book that I'm coming out with. Um, it's gonna kind of walk you through. Like it's gonna be basically like I don't want to say a script because no pitch ever. There's no perfect script that you should pitch. It's more of like a guidelines and kind of like a nice frame. That all the readers can use and kind of you know plug and play and okay, insert so a,
0: frame, a framework to follow. Or a exactly. kind of,
1: okay. Yeah, just you know like expand about your bio here or give you know give article your previous articles here, here, mm-hmm. and here. Just like a nice little framework to help people out because it's people get lost when they're you know when they're pitching. True. They don't they want it to be you know pitching an essay or pitching you know three hundred words. So, mm-hmm. but the book will talk about all that type of stuff and it has some really mm-hmm. good information on there.
0: Okay, awesome, awesome. And when it comes to working with big corporate clients, because as a member of um, the Young Entrepreneurs Council, one of the requirements to get in there is you have to have a company that's generating a million dollars in revenue and stuff like that. So that means you generated a million dollars in revenue before you got in. So talk about right. working with big corporate clients. Like I don't know one of your big corporate clients, but how did you start to represent some of these big companies and how are you able to um, create a voice for them in some of these platforms so that they come across as humans because big corporations you know they have a lot of money to spend on traditional marketing doing billboards like i'll say coca-cola because coca-cola has billboards everywhere but how do you create a voice for coca-cola on forbes or entrepreneur or wherever that it's more personal than what we're all used to of seeing the billboards and the signs all over the place that, that's
1: yeah no I totally understand where you're coming from so you know it's always harder working with corporations rather than people because just like any other person people can relate with other people a lot mm-hmm. better than a logo you know what I'm saying so yeah. you you can definitely relate to the CEO of Coca-Cola but you can't relate to the Coca-Cola logo because that's all you know Coca-Cola as. yeah so uh, one way to kind of humanize the whole entire brand is getting, for example, the CEO of Coca-Cola or the CEO of Nike or Under Armour to be, you know, to be published on these big publications either as a contributor himself or a featured guest just like I am you know, like an honored guest on, on your podcast right now, mm-hmm. but what you want to do is really, you want to take the people out of the corporate side of the, of the business mm-hmm. and cut mm-hmm. them into the public because so people can relate to the CEO of Coca-Cola, just, yeah. just a human being. So getting, it's more of, it's more of sucking people out of the business mm-hmm. more than people relate to, you know, the business and logo itself. Mm-hmm. So I would say, like for example, let's just say Coca-Cola was my client, for example, which that would be cool, but right? Yeah. I, I actually, I got them on Forbes too, which is funny. But um, anyways, I would take, you know, I don't know this. Let's just say the CEO's name is, you know, John, for example. I would take John, and I would basically, I would, I would basically make him the thought leader, and I'm sure he already is. Mm-hmm. But I would basically just get him into all the biggest publications. i would get him on billboards himself. And yes, Coca-Cola would be you know, a big you know, main main topic of whatever the article would be about because you still want to add value to Coca-Cola. You never want to pull away from the business, especially because mm-hmm. that's where you know, their big moneymaker is. But you really want to pull the people out of the corporation. So that, that's that's my biggest thing. That's my biggest answer. And then also, too, is having the corporations interact with the community as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So let's just say it was, for example, social media, Instagram. Well, instead of a video of just having... You know your typical you know cracking open a coca-cola you know can and you know drinking it down on a hot summer day i would make it more of like doing some type of community outreach or something mm-hmm. just so people can really relate and with any brand you want people to want to buy from you you don't necessarily want to sell to people mm-hmm. you know so yeah i mean obviously you know brand or corporations are a lot harder than, than just influencers or entrepreneurs because mm-hmm. everybody can relate to them but yeah. that, that's that's probably my biggest advice is just pulling the people
0: out. Okay. And, and in terms of pulling the people out, there are many companies that kind of don't want their employees to shine on their own. So right. how, how, how would you balance that? Because take, for example, there's another company, um, Ex Cola, for example. They're right. like, okay, yeah, we're advertising, but we don't want to make uh, our director of marketing the star because maybe okay. he'll get a big head, he'll become more valuable, and he'll want to like start shopping around to see if you can get money somewhere else and move, you know? So we want to keep it in-house. How do you um, work with companies like that?
1: That's that's a great question. So in that scenario, if the corporation doesn't want to pull their employees out, like their C-level executives out from underneath, Mm. well then the easiest solution to that is, okay, we'll bring people to you. So then we'll bring Tony Robbins, we'll bring Gary Vee, we'll bring biggest influencers that already have a great positive name for themselves Mm -hmm. again always want to stay specific but that's that's the idea is we pull you know maybe some athletes or something kobe bryant you Mm -hmm. know uh lebron james towards coca-cola just like nike does that obviously all the biggest sports players in the world are always on the commercials they're always doing that this you know you don't really see like the ceo of nike isn't really an outspoken person who's you know the thought leader or even icon of Nike when people think of Nike they think of Kobe Bryant they think of LeBron James all the big you know NBA NFL stars because mm-hmm. that's that was co or that was a uh, Nike's method of really branding itself if you if you look on Nike's social media you don't see a whole bunch of Nike stuff you see a whole bunch of lifestyle stuff yeah. and that's where Nike wins is because Nike's doing a great job with you know they in fact they almost brand people around Nike they don't brand Nike around people mm. That's why that's why they're winning in the game of you know the sports apparel industry because ultimately they have the best marketing team in the world. nobody, Adidas, you know, nobody can touch Nike because of what they've done. For and that's just you know as of now. Obviously, everything can change in the future, but mm-hmm. yeah. So they they've really brought the biggest influencers, and it all comes down to influencer marketing, as a lot of people know about. Mm-hmm. Having if you have a you know for example beauty product, and you're like, oh my gosh, how do I get it out there? It's it's very very simple. Go out there and hire the, the highest beauty and fashion gurus in the industry. Have them blo- have them talk about your product and tell people how much they love it. And then it's going to spread like a wildfire because people can relate to the influencer. People follow the influencer because they're fans and they're obsessed with whatever they do, whatever they wear. So if you slap a you know a solid beauty product on you know some some of those women's face, then your product's going to blow up like
0: crazy. It's very very simple. Mm. And is there a major difference be- between becoming an influencer and a thought leader? Because sometimes, to me, it sounds like there are overlaps, but when you look at it on platforms like Instagram, like you mentioned, it seems influencers are people that try to naturally push something to their followers, whereas thought leaders are selling their ideas about what they know so that they can attract people to them. So That's right. That-
1: yeah, no that that's a that's a, that's really that's a good question because it's, for for example a thought leader I would when I envision a thought leader it's mm-hmm. more of your your Elon Musk you know a Tesla guy because he's not yes he is an influencer in a way of influencing the community of tech and automotive mm-hmm. but at the same time he's more of an industry leader with what he does and, and I say that because you know he's kind of the first of his kind to to do all that you know crazy stuff that he's done with like the electric cars mm-hmm. and all that cool stuff. Going to like the moon, and I, I believe he's done that. But I know it was like the SpaceX and all nice. that stuff, and he's a thought leader in that industry. But when it comes to being an influencer, you kind of think more of kind of like a Gary Vee or, mm-hmm. or exactly Robbins, like yeah. they're more so in, in the in the public's eye mm-hmm. of influencing um, their audience to do something, not necessarily, you know, like Elon Musk is more of a thought leader because he doesn't. I don't want to say he doesn't care if he influences others. It's more like he just does and people follow.
0: Yes. He gets his <laughs> ideas out there. And what I, yeah, do it
1: or not. Yeah. I would say, dude, the biggest thing to differenti- differentiate, you know, a thought leader and influencer mm-hmm. is that a thought, a thought leader basically – like they do they just do something and then people follow it not necessarily they're trying to push things it's more like they're creators of something and mm. when you're an influencer you're more influential of a certain topic okay okay
0: and as we start to wind down the show um, looking at the trajectory of your career thus far the things you've done where are some of the opportunities going forward like we're now in the we got to the last quarter of the year or the last third of the year you know, where do you see some opportunities going forward for people to try and stand out and get their voices out there? Because a lot of people will look around and say, hey, you know, Instagram seems saturated. Does it need another beauty blogger? Does it need another makeup video tutorial? You know, do I need to write one more extra article of marketing? You know, so where are some opportunities you see, given your background thus far? Uh, do you mean more for like an entrepreneur
1: that's that's looking to like a budding entrepreneur yeah like, a, bu-
0: a budding entrepreneur yeah like a young you know i
1: would say i would say the best advice that i could give is always be five years ahead of today mm-hmm. so for you know what i'm saying so like yes it's good to always be present as far as like you know your living and lifestyle and as far as like your mental state but mm-hmm. if you can always look around the band and see where things are coming before others can you know like for example podcast mm-hmm. you know five years ago nobody did podcast but then a lot of people started even you know like Gary Vee's. he's a huge advocate of podcast because he basically saw where the trajectory was going and oh my gosh a lot of people are going to video and audio and just like YouTube they just hit over like I don't know a trillion or something whatever it was you know subscribers and these.
0: everybody's getting to a trillion these days <laughs> Yeah, man,
1: it's it's too easy these days. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. But I mean, yeah, I think the biggest thing is looking ahead and getting to where you need to be before as fast as you can before others get there. Because everybody can start up a you know a podcast or everybody can have you know an Instagram account. I mean, geez, it takes two seconds to do any of these you know big, these big profiles. But you know, creating a, a big personal brand and a big you know a big following that you actually respect that you yeah. you know you really truly care about your following and you care about you know the information that you feed them i think that's probably key to winning because if you can if you can be ahead of the game and also share your knowledge with your you know your community and followers mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. Good, that's going to help you grow exponentially because people are going to respect what you do if you're constantly giving people value that you know that's a good rule too if you're constantly giving people value one you're always going to have a respect from people but you're always going to have a follower Mm. because if you're always giving people value what's there not to follow yes so I would say I would say just you know be ahead of the game as much as you can and you know do a lot of research and I mean there's articles coming out every day you know projecting the next big either social media or you know what have you but I think it just always keeping keeping your eye out for the future and, and predicting it but most importantly acting on it mm-hmm. is probably the most beneficial thing anybody can do mm-hmm. and also too like sticking with what actually works I know a lot of people have they have a winning recipe but they're always trying to cook something else yeah it's like you have. It's kind of the story with the diamonds in your backyard. It's like people have diamonds in their backyard, and they're always trying to, you know, go out, you know, drive miles away from their house. Yeah. But really, it's yeah. like stick with what works because that's what works. Why? I mean, you can tweak things around a little bit, but if you know, hey, PR and personal training is your niche, mm-hmm. and it makes you know, makes a solid living doing it. Why, why quit that and start something else? Unless, unless obviously you don't enjoy it. Obviously, mm-hmm. follow your passion. But yeah, I would say that's the biggest thing, man. It's just you know, follow your, follow your passion and just continue setting goals and, you know, making sure that you're looking around the bend and getting there before everybody else does. Mm.
0: Okay. Awesome. And I look at your website and I see that you have a couple other projects in addition to Kivo Daily. So talk about your other projects that you work on in the Kivo Media Group. Yeah. So there's,
1: there, there's a lot of stuff with, uh, you know, we do basically Kivo media group is a conglomerate of like Kivo daily Mention worth. And we have, you know, Kivo, um, a lot of like Kivo web designs or Kivo designs, which is basically like your, um, your website development and your SEO and your, anything related to websites. That's what Kivo designs is. Mentionworth worth is more the PR sector of it. You know, just like it sounds, we help people get brands and, uh, public figures mentioned in big publications. And then Kivo daily is obviously the, uh, you know, the big publication that I've been working on for the last several months, but I'm always looking to expand Man, there's always new opportunities that are coming my way. So I'm always open and new to new things and just to jump on the next, the next big thing.
0: Awesome. And I guess my, uh, final question is talk to us. A, uh, not a question, but more like a statement. So tell us a little bit more about the, uh, upcoming course you have for, uh, helping people become talk leaders and contributing to big publications.
1: Yeah. So basically I'll I'll leave it out on this. Basically, uh, it's going to be, it's very straightforward. It's how to leverage PR, how to leverage public relations to grow your personal brand. So a lot of, a lot of personal brand, a lot of people that have their own personal brand, they're always wondering like, well, what can I do to grow it? The number one way to efficiently grow your personal brand, I would, in my opinion is to get featured in the big publications because if you're in the biggest publication, for example, let's say you featured in Forbes. Well, now you can say, you know, a Forbes featured entrepreneur or whatever it is. You can start basically authority credibility hacking off of the and piggybacking off of these big publications. So you can start connecting your name to Forbes Inc. and entrepreneur or whatever big publication it is. So and that honestly, the biggest thing that does it does add credibility. Obviously, you know, it gets a lot of exposure to your brand and to your website and social media because there's millions of people that are you know, looking at these articles every single, every single month, but mm-hmm. basically this course, it's going to walk you through the beginning state, kind of like your zero to hero guide walking from beginning to end. If you were, you know, just starting out in the personal branding industry and trying to figure out, well, first of all, what is personal branding? Cause everybody has their own personal brand. It's yeah. either they're making their personal brand up for themselves or letting, they're allowing others to create it for them. So it's kind of harnessing and taking control of your own personal brand And then shaping it and forming it into whatever you want it to look like, whether it's in the business industry, whether it's an influencer, whether it's in the, you know, I mean, sports industry, any, any industry really doesn't matter. But it's going to, it's not going to be like a a novel either. It's going to be about 100 pages long and it's still in the works right now. It'll probably be done within the next 60 days and I'll work with publishing and stuff like that. But. Mm. Yeah, it's basically your guide of how to leverage PR to successfully grow your personal brand. Okay. it's it's very straightforward, but it's it's going to be it's going to be very beneficial for the you know any any personal brand out there, especially if they haven't had press yet. It'll teach them how to you know also how to successfully get press and stuff like that.
0: Okay, and I guess listening to that, that that tells me that it is beneficial for a company to actually push their employees to create personal brands because that creates a a personal connection with um, Mm -hmm. their target market and then that leads to a natural um, state to do business with them, correct? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've worked with people that have, you know, landed deals with Damon John on Shark Tank. I've Mm -hmm.
1: dealt you know, people that have employees of Google, so I've, 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 I've helped out a ton of people that are creating their personal brands and just kind of consulting them on the proper ways to do it and mm-hmm. you know where to land certain placements, what to say, you know, because obviously, just because you land you know on Forbes, okay, well, what is what does Forbes say about you? Yeah, just because you're on Forbes, and you can yes, it's cool. you can say featured in Forbes and you know whatever mm-hmm. else. But what is the content that's on there? If it's not converting content, mm-hmm.
0: it's
1: cool. But it's not very beneficial.
0: Yeah. So most
1: importantly, or more importantly, you want to have beneficial content on these big publications, especially when some people only get one shot in their lifetime to get on Forbes. Mm-hmm. You want to be sure it's you know you're gonna you're gonna go out with a bang.
0: Yeah. True. Well, my friend, it's been a pleasure talking to you for the past forty-five minutes or so. I think I I feel like I can actually keep asking questions and uh, keep going. I love it. <laughs> I want to stay uh, respectful of your time. So before I let you go, tell people where they can find you, reach out to you, and possibly you know make a connection with you if they want to learn more about you and what you're doing.
1: Yeah, definitely. So the website is Dylan Kibo D-I-L-L-O-N-K-I-V as in Victor O dot com. Mm-hmm. And then all the social media handles for Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, they're all the same spelling, no underscores, anything, just Dylan Kivo.
0: Okay. Awesome, and I'll be sure to link that on the uh, show notes page once this episode is edited and ready to go live. So, Dylan, thanks for coming to share your story and your words of wisdom. I truly appreciate you taking the time to come and teach us a little bit more about how to build our personal brand through thought leadership. Perfect. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Awesome. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the show today. If you love what you hear on today's episode of the podcast, Go to iTunes and leave a review and a comment. It helps other great listeners like yourself find the show. And of course, you can always find more episodes of the Bulletproof Entrepreneur podcast at www.odogwu.com.